This podcast is brought to you by Ancestors. Ancestors is the UK's largest bleach-free, plastic-free and gynaecology-approved period care brand. From 100% organic cotton tampons, pads and liners to reusable period pants and period cups, Ancestors has got you covered. There's no nasties here. Period. Check out our range at Ancestors.com. Welcome to Sisterhood, the podcast with me, Lucy Lettuce, co-founder of eco-period care brand Ancestors. Firstly, I'd like to caveat that when I refer to the word woman in these podcasts, this is referring to anyone assigned female at birth. I want the trans and non-cis community to be included and represented in all conversations discussed in this podcast. Airing weekly with a new guest, I'll be discussing everything from fertility, pregnancy, childbirth and postpartum life to parenting in general. In the few days running up to my little one's due date, I was just astounded at how little information I knew about antenatal and postnatal life, about this fictional village, a term that is so often thrown about. So Sisterhood, the podcast, is all about bringing together professionals, informed individuals and those that have just been there before to be the village in your phone and in your ear. My guest this week is Alice Rose, a fertility mindset mentor. Having been through IVF herself, Alice knows only too well how this amazing lifeline can massively impact your emotional and physical well-being. Driven by her own experience, she set up a community aptly named Fertility Life Raft to help support women through the roller coaster of IVF and beyond. So welcome, Alice. Uh, lovely to have you here today. I've done a little bit of an intro, but I'd love to hear, yeah, in your words, who you are and yeah, how you how you got to where you have today. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. What you've just said there about having the virtual village in your pocket, I feel like that also sums up a lot of, you know, why I do what I do. Because when I went through my fertility journey. There just wasn't the village actually that I needed and there was something that was just missing and that is kind of still missing because we talk a lot about the support that is needed for mums and that's absolutely the yep. case. Yep. But the people trying to be mums, yep. trying to be parents, they need just as much support. Definitely. You know, it's just it just looks a bit different. Yeah. So, yeah, so my experience was that I went through all of this and this was before, you know, the Instagram community as we know it yeah. now existed. So it was around, oh, it was quite a long time ago now. Because um, <laughs> my oldest daughter, so I've got, I've got three children okay. now. So two of them um, were IVF babies and then we had uh, quite the surprise <laughs> who joined us wonderful. last year. Yeah, it was wonderful. But yeah, that's a whole other conversation about <laughs> an unexpected pregnancy, pregnancy, especially when you've been through a lot of treatments get there is is just yeah that's a whole other conversation anyway i'm going off on wild <laughs> maybe tangents. we will we'll have time to delve into that in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but essentially what happened with me is that i went through a lot of treatment didn't have the village in my, in my pocket that I, I really realized i needed and then just started sharing but then as i went through it, i did find lots of ways that really helped me with my mindset that really helped me with yeah dealing with all of the emotional physical um implications that that experience had and before I knew the outcome of my story, I really did find a new way to kind of go go through that. But I realised that that was not widely known and it wasn't spoken about very much at all. So that's why I started just sharing a little bit on Instagram about that. And then as I did so, as I started just go, look, guys, there is a better way actually of managing this. And um, I realised that the major problem was the, the glaring lack of understanding and compassion and empathy that we actually had have still in our society for people going through a fertility journey and 
that's that became really important to me. Like not only was I, I wanted to share, you know, the ways that people could take ownership internally, but that we needed more awareness, we needed yeah. more advocation, we needed so many changes in society to yeah. see you know to really to really change things for people yeah. going through it um yeah. so yeah that's 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 me great thank you and so um just for our listeners i'd love for you to kind of explain a little bit about um kind of pre trying to have babies and sort of um your career your sort of um the, yeah up until the point when when all of this really started mm-hmm. yeah so i was at the time before I even started trying, I was going, uh, I was actually working for a really small production company yeah. alongside my dad. Uh-huh. And we were, yeah, we worked together for about five years in the end. It was supposed to be like a six month thing. And then it, <laughs> we ended up doing a lot more. <laughs> Always um, the way. Yeah. But we did a lot of, a lot of stuff together. Um, and that's what I was doing. And then we started trying. And as I was, yeah, going through all this kind of internal yeah, journey of self-discovery, really, of yeah. self-exploration. Uh, I sort of recognised that actually a lot of my... It was it was all through that journey. It was through the connection to, back to myself that I realised what I actually wanted to do and how I could actually hone those skills that were part of what I wanted to do alongside everything else that I'd done until that point, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, and so then I, I, I ended up leaving that work um and officially becoming a limited company back in 2020 so it's been about yeah just over two years now yeah amazing and so you mentioned your dad fertility and infertility is is such a sort of emotional difficult topic how important is sort of having support around you and and you know if you're happy to explain about sort of what support whether it's sort of friends and family you had Mm. oh my goodness it's crucial like you know having a support network with people who understand what you're going through yeah it can change everything the community element is really really important and at the time yeah I it just wasn't there for me like I, yeah. I definitely had you know I had friends I had a, a friend who was going through it as well but I think the problem is is when you have in real life friends who are going through the same thing you all reach different um yeah. parts of the journey at different times so when you find you know if you have a baby and you go through um, a pregnancy together you, you sort of go through it at the same time and yeah. then you have your babies at the same time you know if you do NCT or any other yeah. thing like that yeah, yeah. you have a group and they're, they're sort of going through it at the same time as you and there may be a few that you know things other things happen or whatever but essentially you're going through it at the same stage with fertility if you have one friend or maybe a few more who are experiencing it you're going to be going through things at the different at different times and actually for me my one friend at the time who was going through it as well she ended up getting pregnant quite a long time before I did and that felt really difficult as well because it kind yeah. of, it, it yeah, the, the isolation kind of escalated at that point yeah. too. So, yeah, having the, the right support in place is really important. I did have fertility counselling through um, an NHS referral, actually, and that was okay. a real lifeline at the time for me. Okay, interesting. I'd love to just, yeah, delve in a little bit also to the NHS side. So you, was that, you had an appointment with your GP and then you went through there. Just um, obviously in the podcast, we discussed a lot about sort of, um, NHS and private so I'm just uh, yeah if you could maybe explain a little bit more to our listeners how that worked yeah sure so I went initially through yeah to my GP straight away sure. actually when I when I was like right I'd like to have a baby now yeah. um, but I always suspected I might have problems because I had really irregular cycles so I went straight away to my GP and she actually sent me for a scan straight away to just to see what was going on and then from there I was kind of in 
the system quite like immediately. So there was no kind of, you know, trying for six months or trying for a year or any, any of that. I was just in there because I already had known issues. Yeah. And then, yeah, from there it just snowballed. And then I was, I mean, my, my experience was quite different, I think, to lots of people's that I hear about. But essentially I went straight into surgery because I, I had a fibroid in my womb. So they need to get rid of that to kind of clear the way for hopefully a pregnancy to take place. So I had surgery. That was all through the NHS as well. And then my gynecologist was the one who actually started prescribing me fertility drugs. So I was on Clomid, which is an ovulation drug. Um, But it all wasn't really done properly because really I should have been monitored properly at the start. They should have been taking bloods. They should have been... Yeah, I should. I really should have been at the in in the fertility clinic at that point. I think right. I don't know really what happened there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because I had one round of Clomid with this gynecologist looking after me, and that didn't. That no, that what actually happened was that I responded well. I ovulated, but I didn't get pregnant. Tried it again the next month. Absolutely nothing happened. I didn't ovulate. Obviously, I didn't get pregnant. She couldn't understand what was going on, and immediately said, "You're going to need IVF," which I felt so scared, so terrified. It just yeah. felt so quick to suddenly go like. You need IVF. And I was like, what? Didn't have any, you know. And so... What, what sort of time period was that between kind of, yeah, starting that treatment and seeing them and then being told that you might need IVF? <sighs> so that was probably, it, it was fairly quick. Like it was probably only about, um, definitely within the first year. Okay. Within the first year, maybe maybe sooner than that. Really? But it was because I'd gone straight into it. Yeah. So lots of people might have given it a bit of time to try first. Yeah. But, but I, I was, I'm one of those people that likes to get things sorted out. Yeah. No, <laughs> totally fair enough. And those are the kind of women I end up actually supporting quite yeah. a lot who are like, no, 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 I'm used to kind of getting things done and I just yeah. put the work in and then I get the result that I want. Yeah. But fertility doesn't mm, work, work like that. that. It just doesn't. And so you, I had a huge lesson to learn and lots of lessons to learn actually yeah. as I went through it all. But... Yeah, so it was quite quick that I was ended up in the medical world, but not really properly being looked after. And yeah. so that actually at that point, even though I was in the NHS, I then went to get a second opinion um, and had a private consultation. And yeah, and then I was a bit of a mess because then I was private, but then I went back to the NHS. Yeah, complicated. Yeah. Obviously, we're now sort of in the depths of um, fertility and IVF and um, the different kind of treatment pathways. If you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear more how it all sort Mm. of went on until you did kind of successfully conceive. Mm. So I ended up having another, in the end, I think I had 10 rounds with ovulation treatment. And this really isn't spoken about enough. Like fertility treatment for most people just means IVF. And it's just not the case. Mm. You know, there's lots and lots of people who end up going through all kinds of different kinds of treatment or maybe not even don't even get to the treatment part, but who do go through a really difficult fertility experience. Yeah. Um, So for me, I had 10 goes trying to just ovulate. And actually it was I had six that was just taking an oral drug called Clomiphene, which is known as Clomid, yeah. um, which didn't work. And then I went through four rounds um, doing injecting, inject, injectables, and that was through my fertility clinic on yeah. the NHS. So I was referred, and that in my first appointment at the fertility clinic, I just completely broke down because it had been so stressful at, up to that point and burst into tears. When she, she actually told me off, though, and so I have a bone to pick with this consultant <laughs> because I went in there and I was really, I'd been, I was trying to be a really good girl because I'd been tracking my periods, which were very irregular and strange. 
as I said, even when I was taking Clomid, they just, it, I just had some really weird responses and didn't understand. Anyway, so I'd been tracking them on this app and then she asked me to tell me about the dates of my periods. And so I went to look at my app and she said to me, don't look at your phone and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, but I'm trying to just give you what you need to know. And it was all just so stressful. So I, I just broke down and she said, it looks like you're quite stressed. And I was like, yes. Fucking I'm stressed. Really stressed. Oh god. Um so that's when I got my referral to the counsellor as well. Okay, right. Um, yeah, and so that's where we are with that. Okay. And um in terms of the sort of the process from then the you said that you had then injectables. Mm. And so then what was this then you ovulated and then you managed to conceive? So no, so I had four rounds with that. So essentially going through um it, initially, they told me I would have IUI, which is basically when you get to, you do all of the IVF kind of prep. So you yeah. do your injecting to stimulate the follicles and ovulate. Um, and then they inseminate you. It's yeah. just delightful, the language that they use, and it's lovely. Um, inseminate you with the sperm. Yeah. But actually, because we had had my husband's sperm, it had all been an yeah, yeah. Tested. and it was um they they were like do you know what the difference um between IUI and actually OI which is ovulation induction yeah there's no actual data to suggest it would be improved by doing IUI okay. so we were just set on this OI ovulation induction right. pathway but yeah. to be honest that was really quite stressful as well because it, a lot of that was on us right a lot you know obviously physically it was on us like yeah. we had to go home and have sex and hope for the best yeah. um and honestly, sex when you're trying to conceive is not sexy. Yeah, <laughs> I can totally understand that. It's really just a whole other transactional ball game, you yeah. know. So there's that, um, but that just it didn't work for us. So we and and that was a really difficult time because actually going through ovulation induction, going into the fertility clinic, you know, getting your meds, doing everything that you would do if you were doing an IVF cycle, apart from that last bit where they harvest your eggs again yeah lovely language harvesting the eggs i prefer retrieval egg retrieval yeah there's lots of things to sort of farming yeah it's terrible and the fertile uh, honestly the yeah. language around it is a whole uh, you know issue in itself but anyway yeah no i com- yeah i completely agree mm, it does make you feel like a farm animal yeah that is how it makes you feel and you lose a lot of your sense of identity through it because well you get used to kind of going into the clinic taking your pants off getting your legs in the air yeah and off they go having a good old prod and it happens again and again and again and again I mean you're in there you know multiple times a week when you're when you're cycling is what they call it you know going through a cycle yeah um but because I wasn't going through IVF at that point, yeah. again, and I know that lots of people in the community online do feel um, this as well, is that you're not quite seen because you, you're not going through, going the, through ul- yeah. the ultimate treatment, yeah. um, which is rubbish because it's really hard, you know, yeah. whatever you're going through. Anyway, that didn't work for us. Yeah. So at that point, um, the clinic wanted us to keep going, wanted us to do another two rounds. And I said, oh, look, I've done 10 rounds of fertility treatment now. I think I need to move on to something with higher success yeah. rates. I just don't think I can do it anymore. And they said, okay, well, if you want to stay with the fertility clinic in the NHS, then that will be another year to wait. And I just, I thought, I was so confused at that point. I was like, what? I don't understand. Cause, and actually, it's a totally different clinic, even though it's in the same hospital. Right. It's not the same. So I had to join a, a wait list to wait another year. And I just thought, I can't, I cannot wait another year. Yeah. So at that point, I went privately. Right. And then the next month... We ended up going through a round with an amazing doctor, um, and and conceived conceived uh, Matilda. So we had IVF, 
And actually, my experience of IVF yeah. was a really positive one. Great. It was a really positive experience compared to what I had just been through. Well, yeah, I think obviously for you, there there is that comparison, isn't there? The sort of the journey that you'd sort of had to get there. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the golden goose sort of at the end, that maybe kind of how, mm. yeah, what it felt like. Yeah, and it wasn't, it was... It, you know what, even if it hadn't been successful, it was just a positive experience because the communication was great. Yeah. Um, I felt looked after, I felt seen, I felt supported throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So it's more, although yes, we were so lucky and it worked, it was, it really was about the actual journey of that, that cycle of treatment yeah. that was, that felt really positive. It just, it, and, and that's the, there's a world of difference between when you're feeling supported by your healthcare provider when it comes to fertility and not supported by them or or and I don't want to say this about the NHS because they're amazing but mm. you know there was a point where I just didn't feel like you know I just didn't I wasn't getting the communication that I needed yeah to understand why this wasn't working or what I could do next or any of that stuff so. definitely and when you mentioned the fertility clinic was that near where you lived was it were you traveling lots because obviously for a lot of people it's not super super close um and it can be you know a big a big commitment in terms of time and energy and sort of resources um so were you yeah what, what was the case for you it was uh not far for me so I was in Fine. I was in I was based in London at the time and it was just Fine. um yeah it was in it was at UCH actually in London so Fine. and they were great so um yeah they were great but it's hard when yeah. you can't speak to a consultant you know and yeah. that's kind of what no, you definitely. need a lot of the time it's just to have a direct line to people who are making your treatment plans you know that's what you want yeah to to have no definitely so Matilda was um, conceived so tell me about the weeks and months after her arrival and then I guess thinking about potentially baby number two mm. oh my goodness so <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the thing when you when you go through a fertility journey you know the ultimate goal for lots of people is just to get that positive test that's that's the first hurdle and then of course it's to to carry to term yeah um which we did and then when Matilda by the time Matilda arrived I was I mean I just well felt like I you know had landed on an alien planet well the relief but but to be honest landing on an alien planet was more what it felt like because I was like what is going on here then and I just I mean I had a like I'd say a fairly traumatic birth experience I mean it was it was positive up to a point but I did I lost quite a lot of blood but, sorry I'm going to go down into this no now, please, okay? if you're comfortable doing so I'd absolutely we'd absolutely love I'm yeah very to happy to speak about that yeah I I um I ended up well I was in labor at home for quite a lot of it and then I ended up in a black cab outside the British Library on a Friday night stuck in traffic oh, wow. quite established in labor and just screaming my head off and then got to the hospital and I was fully dilated so I'd actually done all of oh, my wow work to that point by myself but I was at that point just thinking oh my god what the hell now anyway so then I got in the birth pool which I was really happy about I was like oh yes birth pool it's okay I'm at the hospital I'm fully dilated I'm gonna meet my baby soon and then she just wouldn't come she just would not come oh. out and I you know I had various midwives coming in trying me in all various positions and all kinds of stuff um but it just it just wasn't happening yeah. and then eventually um yes I, I was pushing and suddenly lots of blood came out yeah. and they didn't really understand why so I was kind of rushed totally stark naked onto a yeah. trolley bed thing and whizzed up to the labor ward because I was actually in the um 
What's it called? The birth, birth centre. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the birth centre. I was in the birth centre, so they whizzed me up to the labour ward and then I ended up um, giving birth, like, on my back, episiotomy. Oh. And that's that's how she came to be. But then okay. it, it was after that that actually it was difficult because they couldn't repair me in the room. Like, I had to right. be taken to theatre okay. because it was quite a bad tear. And anyway, right. sorry to... <laughs> no, 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 it's care. great for listeners. So, so was it a third degree tear? It was a borderline. borderline. They kept telling me it was Fine. borderline, but I was like, hmm. Okay. Um, afterwards, the recovery was really difficult. So I was in right. I was in theatre, um, but the, the issue for me at that point was that I'd been taken away from my brand new baby and I was by myself and I'd literally just given birth, like, you know, just then and then off I went. And I remember just shaking with the adrenaline or hormones or whatever it was. I was shaking, I was shivering. And I remember the, oh, I remember the consultant, this was about two in the morning at this point, the consultant saying, oh, she was talking to a colleague as she was repairing me and just saying, oh, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was shattered. I'm going to do my best. And I was lying there just thinking, oh, good. Well, that sounds <laughs> I mean, I, just, I think when you're in that, that situation, oh, possibly that's the worst thing that you could hear. I just thought. I oh think sometimes, God. yeah, there's a lot of um, like total transparency between like colleagues and midwives and doctors and I think sometimes especially you know if, you, if it's your first child but of you know obviously for a lot of people who you know would like to be spoken to in I would say layman terms um there's it's pretty daunting some of the things that you that you can hear mm. and sit with you and you don't know how to sort of process them whether or not you should be asking more questions or more concerned yeah so I I, I totally feel you on that one it was a bit alarming yeah but then <laughs> The recovery, the recovery was quite hard, but anyway, I learned an awful lot from that experience. And then, um, yeah, eventually we we wanted to have um, another baby. Although I have to say, at that point, I was thinking, I just feel so blessed and yeah. happy that I've got this baby. I'm so grateful, and I genuinely was like, if we if we don't have another yeah. baby, I'm I I'm okay with that actually. Yeah. But you know, we had these frozen embryos from our right okay. IVF round. We did try naturally, but nothing happened. And so, um, yeah, and so we, we had a frozen embryo transfer. Okay. Um, and that was quite straightforward, actually. Again, we were, we were really lucky that that part was quite straightforward. And again, we were um, successful. So we had um, Reggie um, <laughs> in February 2020. Now, we all know what happened in March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> not happy times <laughs> so yeah I had a newborn in lockdown and a three-year-old three at home so that was fun um yeah yeah so that was a whole other experience yeah, a whole other experience and and so kind of what was the sort of the thought process or, or did you you know was was it difficult to kind of decide okay let's have another one were you you know in any way sort of I don't know, you know, fearful because of what you'd experienced the first time. Obviously, you knew that you you did have, um, yeah, you know, the possibility of of having another one. Um, but yeah, sort of how 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 did that play out? Mm, yeah, it's a weird one. Like to go back into fertility stuff after you've kind of been through all of that, and also you do feel like a completely different human. Yeah, definitely. Like once you've, you know, been through a birth and then you know been looking looking after a little baby for, for a couple of years you, yeah you do feel like a different person so to go kind of back into it did feel a lot like it was it was a weird it was a weird thing to to suddenly be back in our um consultants uh room and talking about it but I, I, I think um 
I mean, I, you know, what I do now, I'm a, I'm a coach and I, I, I do a lot of inner work and yeah. I was in a really good place. So I felt like I knew that I would be able to manage yeah. it because I had the tools that I needed. Yeah. And I'd been continuing to practice those, you know, the whole time. It was, it was really, that's why I feel so passionately now about yeah. doing it. Because, you know, the, everything I learned on my own fertility journey that really helped me through yeah. was not just for that chapter of my life. It was just yeah. for everything. So for me to go back into it, although it was a lot, I knew that I was going to be okay. Yeah. Like whatever happened, it was going to be all right. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Definitely. It's weird to go back. Yeah. Is it weird to sit here and kind of unpack from, from that time and... Yeah, I think, it all. I think, well, it's, I mean, I talk about fertility all the time. Yeah, but yeah, lot, of course. But, but what's weird for me, though, and what's lovely for me is to actually take that conversation further on and yeah. talk about, well, what happened next? Because, yeah. you know, because my work is so focused on supporting people going through fertility, actually the next bit <laughs> of pregnancy <laughs> and birth and beyond, yeah. which I now actually feel quite experienced, you know, with, having yeah. had three children of my own, all in different circumstances and three different kinds of births, actually, yeah, it feels really nice. It feels really lovely because that that's that is who I am yeah, now. You definitely, know, that's, that's my story now. So it's, yeah. uh, it's you know it's lovely to talk about that side of stuff and yeah. 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 Well, you've piqued my interest about the three different births. <laughs> so I'd love to hear um, Reggie's birth story, if you don't mind. Sure. So, yeah, well, I made a I made an executive decision, actually, with Reggie's, okay. which was because I'd had such a, yeah, a, a, a troubling, slightly troubling, I'd say, recovery. Yeah. I went backwards and forwards over what to do with Reggie when I was pregnant. And in the end, I decided to have an elective uh, C-section. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience. I absolutely loved his birth. I loved it so much. It was so lovely. And I felt like I got the moment that like my mum would always say to me, oh, the moment when the baby comes out and they cry and it's just the best feeling in the world. And I was like, yeah, I didn't get that with the at all. I was just like <laughs> traumatised. But no, when I had, when I had Reggie yeah. and everything was calm and it was beautiful and, you know, I had my music playing yeah. and then he came out and I just, Burst in tears. I was so happy, and it was Aww. it was amazing. He screamed the place down, and he hasn't stopped for three years. Like, <laughs> literally, the loudest child you ever met. Like, um, seriously, like all of the all of the professionals in the room were like, "Oh, good luck." Um, but we, <laughs> but yeah, that uh, the, then the C section recovery was, was right. Yeah, you know, a, a lot. More, yeah. It was hard, but the actual birth was lovely. Yeah. Um, and then of course we had. Oh, yeah, our bonus baby. Yeah, <laughs> so special. Um, it was so special, and I'm I'm always very conscious when I speak about about Luna, um, that you know, lots of people would. I, it's really hard because in the fertility world, to have an unexpected pregnancy is like a a, a unicorn dream for yeah. lots of people, and certainly for me, I just could not have imagined before I experienced it in a million years that you know what you just have sex and then you pee on a stick and then you're pregnant and then you have a bit like what? Yeah. No, I couldn't. I couldn't get my head around it. So the fact that I was given this this experience just, you know, it blows my mind. And I'm yeah. very, very conscious that, you know, there's a real um, a blessing. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, it did come with its own uh, <laughs> stuff. We, we, we were done. We were done. We, yeah. we weren't planning on a third baby. But um, when we found out about her, uh, well, yeah, everything... Everything yeah. was turned upside down again. We changed everything, changed our lives. We moved out of London. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things changed. But with Luna, I, you know, the minute I found out I was pregnant with Luna, I knew that I was going to try and have a, um, a VBAC vaginal right. after cesarean. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what I I don't know why, but there was just something I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do this yeah. time. I just felt like I'd learned such a lot in, yeah. the, in the five years since I had tilts that yeah. I just and I knew this time that I would get the support that I needed afterwards that I didn't have before. Mm, I would yeah. just go and find it. Yeah. And I also felt so much more informed, mm. so much more. And this is why it's so brilliant you're doing this podcast because you 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 know these kind of things that I just didn't know. Like yeah. I, I wish I had known, and I've now been told that I should have not. I shouldn't have been taken away from my baby at that mm. you know with Matilda. She yeah. should have been with me. She mm. should have been on. My, and I still feel angry about that now. Yeah. She should have been with me. Just lie. And she was just you know hours old. Yeah. Like she should have just been lying on my chest. Well, and it would have healed you know in every manner it would yeah, have just been a- aided my healing so much more I mean having said that her and Simon had a lovely time just doing skin <laughs> to skin while I was in theatre so that oh. I would have taken that away from him but still um, <laughs> yeah um, th- th- that's the silver lining I guess yeah yeah so yeah so then I so with Luna I, I decided to really really just go for it and yeah. I got myself a gorgeous doula um, which was lovely and felt like a real treat. I was like, well, this is my third time. I think <laughs> I think I might go for the doula this time. Uh, so I got myself a doula. Um, and I wanted to have a water birth again. And I tried. And yet again, she wouldn't come out in the water. Um, but she did come out without any other uh, intervention. intervention um, which was amazing. Having said that, I had to really be firm with a consultant who really wanted me to be per- like not permanently monitored you know const- yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. monitored and she wanted to put a cannula in and all this and I was I just was like no I don't need that go away <laughs> obviously didn't say that exactly but I was mid-labor and I was just like why are you wanting me to do this I didn't need it and I knew yeah. what the guidelines were yeah. I didn't need it she wanted it and I, and I was just like just she was so bullish this consultant and she really she scared my contractions away oh, really? for a good half an hour yeah and I was really cross about that. But anyway, my doula was amazing. amazing. Just kept saying to me, all is well, all is well, all is well. Oh. I was like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and then Luna was born and I, and I felt like, oh my God, this is what it's like to mm. have a positive birth experience. It really it was amazing. And and I felt really well afterwards, which I just yeah. didn't with Matilda because of everything that had happened. Yeah. I'd lost a lot of brother. I was like grey, like couldn't stand up. Yeah. But with, with Luna, I just I felt really well. And we were allowed home, you know, a few hours later. Yeah. Amazing. It was really, really good. Yeah. Wow. We were really lucky. And how did, because so you mentioned um, you moved out of London. How did life change after kind of Luna and, um, yeah, having three? <laughs> a different, yeah, I guess yeah. different to the first two who yeah. were sort of city babies. And then, yeah, I guess a, a completely different experience. Totally and utterly different on every level. I mean, I think... With Luna, I was very conscious, more so than ever, that, you know, I would never be doing this again. Definitely, yeah. definitely not <laughs> again. Um, and decided to just soak up every minute with yeah. in that newborn bubble. And, you know, it was lovely, actually. And I was yeah. I had family nearer, much nearer, so they were yeah. there a lot more. And um and it felt really it felt really gentle. It felt really yeah, much yeah, although there were Three, you know, yeah. we did have we did have the support that we really needed, and I think that because of what we've been through with Reggie in lockdown, which is still to date one of, and I look at the <laughs> challenging things I've been through in my life, and fertility obviously is one of them. But having a, uh, a reflux newborn in lockdown was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever Goodness. been through. It was really challenging, yeah. and um, yeah. So I think after that experience, we were just like we just want all of the support. Yeah. <laughs> totally fair enough Um, and you deserved it yeah well everyone does don't they that's the thing you know we all deserve 
all of the support. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, lovely stories. Thank you very much for sharing those. Um, well, so you very briefly touched upon the sort of the coaching that you do. So I'd love now to discuss that. I'd love to hear what it is that you do and how for any listeners they can be supported and how, how, how it works, really. Sure. So I loved... Um, you know, I love to support women going through fertility and um, but and beyond, as I love that you mentioned that at the beginning, because <laughs> it really is part of what I do now is, is kind of expanding, um, expanding the, the people that I work with, the people that I talk to. Um, but, it, you know, essentially, like for people going through fertility, I run courses. I've got my membership, which is fertilityliferaft.com. But after that, there's so many other ways that I just really enjoy. Like fi- basically what I love doing is is helping women to get in touch with their inner who they really are like on a really deep yeah. level so I'm I'm a certified transformational coach um and that just essentially it's like life coaching but it goes that kind of deeper level yeah um so you look at your kind of what's actually happening in your subconscious with with your uh thought patterns and how that's affecting your decisions and your your beliefs around what's possible and not possible in your life particularly as yeah as 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 women which i feel very strongly about you know women Definitely. need to be need to believe that they're able to claim what's theirs in the world you know yeah. um and that taking up space thing and that just there's so much that i i had to really blast through my own beliefs of what was and wasn't possible for me but when I started you know my Instagram community and all of that and I really just started from scratch you know I didn't know what on earth I was doing and I was really scared (laughs) Um, but I did a lot of work on myself to kind of get over that and then what happened you know what has happened since then has just been amazing and it's it's just a result of continuing to connect with like what I know is possible but that's not easy and that takes some um, support sometimes to kind of be able to do that and to be able to go okay what do I actually want for my life and how am I going to get that and especially you know if you are a mum um, and you're juggling small children <laughs> bigger children you know it, it is can you can completely lose yourself along the way with your in your motherhood journey and in your fertility journey so it's actually about meeting yourself where you're at you know again Definitely. and again and again and again because yeah. you change so all the time yeah and I think you have to, you do have to, I guess, dig quite deep, don't you? I think a lot of like, that sort of really resonated with me when you were, when you were saying all of that. I think um, a lot of it is self-reflection, which I think we find everyone, you know, me is so, so difficult and definitely don't do enough, I don't think. Yeah. And in terms of, so you mentioned fertility life raft. So um, what what could women expect from from that kind of community and from, yeah, from kind of working, connecting with you? So I've created the Life Raft Framework, which right. is my um, uh, my my sort of way, <laughs> like <laughs> blueprint yeah. um, to kind of go through any fertility or any anything in life. Really, it takes you through, and that's why I called it the Life Raft because while it is a fertility life raft, yeah. it is for life. It is yeah. it will take you through. So I, I teach everybody who comes into my membership, my community, the, the Life Raft Framework, yeah. and then it's really around continually, you know doing the work doing the inner work connecting with others who are on the same journey but also who are on the same journey who want to continue that work yeah because I think it's has a lot you know although the social media narrative is um and the social media community around fertility is, is amazing and it wasn't there when I was there but it's quite noisy mm-hmm. and it's um quite a lot so it can feel a bit overwhelming and for some people it can trigger comparison and it can you know it, it actually 
yeah, you need to be really quite careful with how you use yeah. it um, and how you, how you know, any fertility support that you find, you just need to be really connected to actually your intuition and yourself. And that's what we focus on in all of the work that I do. So it's not really about, yeah, um, it's not actually to do with fertility itself yeah. that much, although I do have resources in there. It's it's much more about that work of, work of connecting to yeah. yourself. That path, no, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds probably like a very silly question but why why do you love what you do why why is it important to you I think it's important to me because I see what infertility or loss or difficult births or struggling mums you know experience and it limits what they do with their lives when actually there's so much more that they might want to offer but also it's more about them reaching into self-compassion so that they feel like if they do just want to, you know, have survival days, to to be okay with that as well. So it's really around like, again, like meeting yourself where you're at on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I love what I do because the result of seeing, you know, women I work with absolutely transforming how they feel and therefore what they do, like the behaviour in their lives is just amazing. You know, the, the transformations that I see from women who come to me when they're at really, really low rock bottom place and they just feel hopeless and helpless, like they have no control. And then having done the work, some of the work, they are actually transformed and they can start, yeah, just really living their lives again. And and what often people say to me as well is like, oh my God, people notice the change around me. You know, it's not just me who notice, the, who can feel the difference, but it's the people around me who are affected as well and it's a ripple effect because if you're continually going down on this kind of you know spiral of like negative self-talk and you know you're going down and down and down and down it it really has an impact on like everything around you you know so I really love empowering women to find their own self-compassion and as a result you know it it improves their lives on like every single level and it certainly did for me so yeah amazing yeah drastic I think that's is that drastic change isn't it that sort of feeling like um, that is the small steps that then you kind of, yeah, over time, yeah, snowball effect. Mm, yeah. Um, and what's the hardest part of what you do? Oh, yeah. that's a good question. <laughs> what's the hardest part of what I do? I think the hardest part of what I do, I mean, the people that I work with a lot of the time are going through really, really tough yeah. experiences. I mean, I, uh, I've i obviously shared my story, but that's just, you know, a drop in the ocean. I mean, the, the amount of people that I have worked with, um, I mean, I literally have heard thousands and thousands of stories now um, and they are heartbreaking and devastating and yeah. some of them are full of grief and that's 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 heartbreaking to 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 be part of. But at the same time, I feel like I have... Um, I've got the experience now yeah. and the capacity now to be able to hold those stories mm-hmm. and to be able to see each person for their individual story. Yeah. And also because I know the result of what happens when they get the support that they need yeah. and that they will be okay. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of gone off on a ramble, but that's... No, it hasn't. And actually that leads me to sort of my next question, which is kind of how has, you know, obviously in a massive, massive way, but how has your personal experience impacted of how you work and the way you work today oh just so much I mean (laughs) I think 
a lot of people do come to me because they know that I've been through right. um, fertility stuff and they want somebody who really gets yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Shared experience is so important in these types of things, yeah. like the understanding that, yeah, the sort of compassion, that that's, that empathy, which, yeah, potentially if you if you haven't been through it, you just, you can understand, but you can't, you haven't lived it. Yeah, and I think it's it's really difficult actually, and there's been some really interesting chats around you know friendships with women who have or and men yeah. you know who have been through this and not been through it, and how hard that is, and that's something that I feel really strongly about as well. It's just like education and awareness because yeah. it's, it's all we really need to do is just hold space for people who are going yeah. through a difficult time, whether it's fertility or anything else. You yeah. know, instead of rushing in with our solutions and fixing things, and have you tried this? And all oh, my friend did this. We don't need to do that, you know. Yeah. We just need to be there for each yeah. person and to just let them share what's happening for them. And yeah. it will be different for each person. So while, you know, a solution may have worked for someone else, it probably won't for some uh, another another person, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just understanding that is gonna would save so many friendships yeah. actually, and 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 relationships in general just just would be rescued if that was yeah. known a bit more definitely I think what you said at the very beginning though about it's you know it can be difficult having kind of a friend going through the journey I think you know especially for sort of fertility and infertility because as you say you just don't know what can happen and you know things can change instantaneously um and I think you know as individuals as humans we we do struggle with change and I think change when it's such a sort of sensitive topic to you can always can almost always just feel like yeah totally overwhelming and you just sort of retreat yeah retreat. yeah oh gosh absolutely and like lots of other people that I support do retreat and yeah. do do just think do you know what's easier to just take a step back yeah. and it's such a shame because yeah. actually so much of the time you know it's vulnerability that that kind of connects connection yeah, definitely and so when people have the courage to be vulnerable um are able to kind of really do that but they need to know they're going to be met with the right responses yeah and the right empathy and that's that's why a lot of the time people aren't vulnerable with their friends because they just don't they just are like no because they're gonna say something which yeah. is gonna upset me further so, so, yeah totally mm. so difficult yeah. So obviously Ancestors is a period care brand and I like to ask my guests if they have any kind of comments or insight or anything really that they'd like to add on anything from menstrual health to mental health to kind of sex, afterbirth, pre-birth, conceiving. Um, I know obviously Ida, you mentioned about having irregular periods, obviously in terms of conceiving and, and sex, we've briefly touched upon that. Um, yeah, if there's anything else you sort of like to add on on any of, of those very, very broad topics, um, okay. but anything that you think, you know, could be useful to listeners? Well, I feel <laughs> like the conversation around, you know, um, all of the products that you have, which I'm just, I feel like I do have conversations quite regularly with people who, and I'm sure you do as well, who just like, but the period pants situation how does that yeah 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 <laughs> and I'm always like no no you've got to understand that it's amazing and it's brilliant and yeah. you know don't be weirded out by it because yeah. it's actually the future yeah. but I feel like it yeah it, for a lot of people including one of, one of my sisters who I just cannot convince but yeah it just I think yeah. we've got to open our minds to the fact that you know period care and period yeah. um where is is it has to change and it is changing yeah. and it's 
wonderful that it's changing. So, yeah, I think just to keep an open mind. Yeah, I think... um, obviously kind of through the podcast and personally I speak to the the sort of two main things with childbirth and periods are one that kind of post birth there is generally quite a lot of fluid um of yeah lochia and I think finding especially if you've had a vaginal birth finding you know the right pads for you because obviously it's potentially very very sensitive down there um and yeah finding products that aren't going to irritate and sort of can help um your body breathe naturally um, and then the second one is the sort of when your period returns and kind of how heavy that period is going to be they're, they're the two things that i speak to, to worry about a lot so moving on i'm just going to ask you a very short question and you can just say the first thing that comes to your mind and there's no right or wrong answer uh, first question is your favorite quote motto or affirmation oh god uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god on the spot on the spot um oh, well, one that resonates with you i tell or... you what one that is just well i mean it's 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 not original but this too shall pass is yeah um, I think pretty much anyone can just hang on to that whenever they're going through a yeah. difficult time. This too shall pass. Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a goodie. Um, best parenting hack. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I tell you what I've done before is use a bum bag instead of buying one of those expensive like buggy Ooh. things yeah. for like keeping. Nice. stuff in you know yeah I just I did that once and I was like oh this works and put it <laughs> then you put as a, you had it as an actual bum bag or on the buggy sorry yeah on, on the, the buggy, buggy. great yeah. mm-hmm. bum fanny, bag on the buggy a fanny pack fanny pack on your buggy love it and then a sort of a more specific question what not to say to someone who you know is struggling to conceive do not say just relax and it will happen or go on holiday don't say it <laughs> might come back to that in a minute um so the next section is questions it's impossible to answer do happiness and grief always coexist do they always coexist they can coexist yes okay. again no right answer just questions that it's impossible that we could discuss for, for hours and hours but in your in your yes experience and then the worst piece of advice that you were given regarding fertility and ivf put your legs in the air Oh, sex. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And the final section is Mythbusters, which is something that I'll say a, a statement or a quote, and you can let me know your thoughts on it. With regards to infertility, if you stop thinking about it and try and stop trying so hard, conception will happen naturally. Oh. <laughs> right. This is, yeah. Okay. Myth. Great. Anything else to add? Lots. Um, Lots. We can leave it there. <laughs> we'll leave it there. If you'd like, if you'd like to know Alice's thoughts on that, you can find her on Instagram. <laughs> so thank you so much to Alice for being with us today and sharing her story. Do as I said, check out her Instagram page. This is Alice Rose and her fertility community, Fertility Life Raft. Today has been a really eye-opening conversation and one that is challenging for so many. So um, if our conversation has resonated with you or you're looking to seek help, please do, whether it's through the NHS or privately. So thank you so much for listening and see you next week. Thank you, Alice. Thank you so much. (laughs) 